0: doing? I'm glad to see everyone here. I want to say hello to everyone watching online and all of our friends over in the video cafe. Uh, We are continuing in our Back to Basics series. And uh, over these last three weeks, we've been talking about the broad categories of our lives. We've been talking about God. Last week, we talked about people. And then today, we're going to cover stuff. Now, Over these weeks, if you've been here, we've taught a very simple concept for how we can go back to the basics in order to build a great life. And it revolves around believe and behave. And so what we've been saying is that one of the simplest things we can do in life, one of the most basic things we can do, is to behave like We believe. So, whatever we say we believe about something, that should inform our behavior. And so, in week one, we looked at God. And if we really believe in an all powerful God, then in our behavior, we should go to Him with all the decisions that we make in our life. We said that we have to let God out of the box. And then last week, we talked about people, and if we believe that God loves all of his children down here on earth, then which we should behave with respect and kindness toward those other people. In fact, we saw that our relationship with God can really only be as powerful as our relationships with the people around us. And so, in light of what we believe about God and people, today we're going to talk about how we can manage our stuff. Now the interesting thing about stuff as a category is that it's so broad, it covers so many things, like your smartphone is stuff, but so is dirt, and they have virtually nothing to do with each other. There's also categories of stuff, So, so there's some things that are vital to our existence, things like water and oxygen, things like sunlight and sleep, and then there are some things that as much as we hate to admit it are just not necessary for our survival. Things like barbacoa and Big Red or pizza and beer or Netflix and Chinese food. Just making sure you're paying attention. There's so much stuff in the world. If we don't manage it well, then it can seriously derail our lives. When we buy too much stuff that we can't afford, it puts us in crippling debt where we can't manage our money well or proactively. We can't save for things like retirement or for our kids' colleges. Other times when we get into situations where we put stuff as more important than people, we can lose our meaningful relationships. you know, the interesting thing is that stuff, by definition, is powerless. But the way that we behave towards our stuff can actually give it incredible power over our lives. And when we do that, there's normally an inconsistency between what we believe and how we are behaving. And so we believe that people are obviously more important than our stuff but we often don't build into those meaningful relationships to pursue our addictions to other things. We believe in living well below our means, but our behavior on amazon.com tells a different story. We believe that investing in and spending time with our children is the most important thing we can do, but so often we pursue wealth or social status at the cost of spending time with them. And so it's an interesting question of why we allow the stuff in our lives to have so much power over us. And with every person in here having a unique story, your situation is probably also unique. Maybe you're in a place where you have found your identity in the things that you have. You really believe that who you are is the sum total of the stuff that you own. Or maybe you grew up in poverty and you know what it feels like to not have enough. And so you hoard and you try to control your stuff because you have a fear, a very real fear that you could go back to living that way. Or maybe you're on the other side of the coin and you grew up in wealth, in an affluent family. And now you have this need to try to impress and appease your family by accumulating more and more things. You know, if we're going to build a great life if we're gonna really reach our potential as human beings in this world, we have to know how to manage our stuff. And so the, the question for us today is, how can we go back to the basics? How can we behave like we believe when it comes to managing the stuff in our lives? And so we're gonna go in the Bible today to answer that question, and we're gonna start at the beginning. We're actually gonna start at the creation story. Now, one of the things I love about City Church is that this is a church where people can actually come in and can wrestle with their faith and wrestle with what they believe. And I understand that not everyone believes in intelligent design. In other words, not everyone believes that an all-powerful God actually created the world. And if that's you and you're here today, I want to just say from me to you, I'm glad that you're here. That you are welcome here. This is a place where you can come and it is safe to explore your beliefs. And at the same time, I want to ask you, regardless of what you believe about how this world got started, uh, to keep tracking with me today because I do believe we're going to learn something that's very important to our lives now here at city church we do believe that god created the world and when he created it he made it perfect and in this perfect world he took the first humans adam and eve and he set them up and the bible says that he gave them dominion over everything this is what dominion looks like in genesis chapter 1. it says then god said let us make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. This is a picture of people who are in perfect harmony with all of their stuff. These are people who were owners. When you're an owner, it means that your stuff works for you. You don't work for your stuff. It means that the things in your life are not a burden to you. Adam and Eve were owners. And there was, there was only one rule, only one caveat to their ownership. God said that there is a specific tree in the midst of where they live, and he told Adam and Eve that they were not to eat from any fruit of that tree. And it seems pretty simple. Adam and Eve actually had a perfect life. They had intimacy with God, they had a perfect marriage, they had all the resources that they needed, they had meaningful work, and all they had to do was believe God's commandment, and then behave like they believed. But many of you know the story, and Adam and Eve disobeyed. You see what happened is Adam and Eve's desire for stuff became greater than their desire for God. And when they did that, not only would they now experience death someday, but they also lost their ownership. Listen to what God says about how their world will work now. God said that cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. All of a sudden, stuff became a burden to Adam and Eve. They had lost their dominion. They were no longer owners. And this garden narrative teaches us something incredibly important and incredibly basic about our lives. It teaches us that you either own your stuff or your stuff owns you. You either own your stuff or your stuff owns you. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt held hostage? by your stuff, you're suffocated by increasing debt, a slave to your addictions, stressed out, trying to stay ahead of all the current trends or stay ahead of the fashion curve, overworked, trying to build your wealth and significance. The reality is that we will either find a way to take active ownership of our stuff or our stuff will own us. And so the question we have to answer is how exactly do we take ownership of our stuff? Well, fortunately for us, a couple thousand years ago, Jesus came to earth. And he taught us a new way to think about how to manage our things. And so in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is teaching. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, And what you will wear. You know what I like about this? Is that Jesus acknowledges exactly where most of us are living. We're held captive by the things in our life. Because here's the deal if you're constantly worrying about your stuff, if it's taking up all of your mental capacity, if it's causing you to stress to the point that you're making yourself sick, if it's keeping you up at night, those are all indications that your stuff owns you. But Jesus continues and he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus is giving us a new perspective, and he's asking us to believe something specific about our stuff. He's asking us to believe that we have a heavenly father who loves us. Because if you believe that God loves you, then you must believe that God will take care of your needs. The first step to taking back ownership of our things is to believe in a God who loves and provides for us. And if we can believe that, then next Jesus tells us how we should behave. He says, instead of worrying, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all these things that we're worrying about and that are keeping us up at night, all the things that we need will be given to you as well. If we believe that there's a God who loves us and that he in fact will provide for us because of that love, then our response, our behavior is to seek after God. Now the book of Matthew was originally written in the Greek language 2,000 years ago and the Greek word for seek is the word zeteo. This was a hunting term. It meant to intentionally pursue something until you found it. And this is what Jesus is asking us to do. This is how we become owners, by pursuing and seeking what God wants for our lives. And so let me break this down for us. Let me show you how this works. You see, God created the world in perfection, and when we look at this short period of time of how the world worked, we get to see what God's intention for our world is. And because we know that Adam and Eve were given dominion, they were made owners, we know that God intends us to also be owners. It means that God has given us the right to claim our ownership. But eventually, with Adam and Eve, man's desire for stuff became greater than their desire for God. And instead of living in what God intends for us, we came down. We call it the fall of man. And our stuff started to own us. That's our historical heritage. That has been the burden of mankind for all of time. But Jesus came and he pointed us to a new way. He said, you don't have to be owned by your stuff. You have to believe that God loves you and you have to pursue what he wants for your life. And here's why that works. When we pursue God, we are pursuing the one person who actually owns it all. If we believe that God created this world, then it's obvious that he is also the owner of it. He owns all the things, living and non-living, past, present, and future. He created the atoms that comprise everything that we know and even the things we have yet to discover And even though God owns it all, He is such a loving Father and such a good Father to us that if we will pursue what He wants for our life, then He will allow us to be owners. He will give us back our God-given right of dominion over our things. And this is important because remember, you either own your things or your things own you. And so, the question is, are you pursuing God, or are you pursuing stuff? Now, at this point in the talk, we all know what the right answer is. Oh, yeah, no, I'm pursuing God. But I don't want you to give the right answer. I want you to give an honest answer. Because we have to start at where we honestly are to know where we need to get to. How we answer this question will not only determine whether or not we own our stuff or our stuff owns us, it will also set the course for whether or not we are able to reach our God-given potential in this lifetime. Let me give you a really practical example of what this looked like in my own life. At the end of last year. I began to become aware that there was something in my life that I was putting in the place of God. I was pursuing it more than I was pursuing God, and I could feel it taking ownership of me. And Sometimes we call this conviction when God makes you aware of something like that in your life. You see, for me, over the years, I've signed up for and I've managed uh, many different social media platforms, and interestingly, the reason that I signed up for them was that back in the day, I had a band, and of course, we were, you know, going to make it, and we were going to be huge, and that didn't work, but I got on social media in order to grow our fan base, in order to, uh, you know, build our brand, and to interact with people we had met on the road. But several years ago, that band broke up and I continued to use social media and I enjoyed the social aspect and I was reaching out and finding long-lost friends like a lot of us had done and it was awesome. But pretty soon, I began to use all these platforms the same way that I'd use them for my band. I was still growing a fan base and I was building a brand and I was marketing a product, but what I realized is that the product was me. Now listen. I don't wanna be like the old grumpy guy that's against social media. I think social media is awesome. I still have active accounts. But it did become a problem in my own life, and here's why. Because my self-worth became tied to the number of double taps I got on my Instagram posts. And my confidence would waver whenever, whenever a blog wouldn't get much traffic, and my pride would swell when there was lots of interaction with a Facebook post. And the problem is that those are all internal needs that God is supposed to provide. And you see, I wasn't behaving like I believe because I would tell you that I believe God will provide all of my needs, but I was practically living like it was dependent on my social media activity. And so I continued to wrestle with this and, and to try to think of what the problem really was. And what I realized is that the root of the problem was actually my iPhone. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. It is on me every moment of the day. It was right next to my pillow when I was asleep at night. I was spending too much time seeing who had liked what and trying to compose the perfect tweet and put just the right filter on the photo before I sent it out. And what became very clear to me is that I was seeking my own social kingdom, not the kingdom of God. And I knew that I had to do something about this. I had to start behaving like I believe. And so I did something radical. I I took a chance. I wanted to make sure that I would stay on this path. And so about three months ago, I I walked into my local cell phone provider and I traded in my iPhone for this. (laughs) This is real life, people. This is not a prop. (laughs) Now, for those of you For those of you under 20 years old, this is called a flip phone. <laughs> and you may have seen one on a rerun of Friends, okay? Uh, now, this phone's not all that bad. Uh, it's it's got several features. It can call, it can text. It, did I say it can call? It can, okay, who am I kidding? This phone sucks, all right? It's a huge pain. Listen, when I need directions somewhere, I have to print them out before I get my, like I'm the one person keeping MapQuest from going bankrupt right now, okay? If I want to deposit a check, I have to like go to my bank now, okay? And worst of all, and some of you will feel me on this, I will never know if there's stuff in my teeth because I can't even take a selfie anymore. But as inconvenient as it is, I can't even tell you over these last three months how worth it it has been. And so listen, what I'm getting at here is I'm not telling you to go trade in your smartphone. Smartphones are amazing and they're full of convenience and you can use them for business. I'm not telling you to get off off social media. Social media is amazing. Uh, You can use it to connect with people and to bring hope to people. Here's what I am telling you. I'm telling you that there is nothing in this world None of your stuff is important enough to allow it to keep you from seeing what God wants to do in your life. I'll be honest, my iPhone made a terrible God. I didn't own it, it owned me. And what I know is that God wants more for us than that. And so here's what we're gonna do today. Today, we are going to take back ownership of our stuff. We are going to claim, claim our God-given right to have, to have domain, to have ownership over the things that he's entrusted us with. And so you're gonna get sent home today with a little bit of homework, okay? But like any good teacher, I'm gonna give you an example before I just send you out into the real world and expect you to get it right. So what I need you to do is I need everyone in the room to just pull out your phone. I know you have it. You've already posted on Facebook during this talk. <laughs> and look, here's the deal. What we're gonna do is gonna be a little bit weird. I'm just gonna tell you up front. And especially if you have a personality like mine, you're not gonna want to do this. But I'm asking you to go with me on this. I want 100% participation because it matters. I'm gonna tell you why it matters. So here's here's what I want to, us to do. I'm gonna give you a three count. You know, one, two, three. And on the count of three. I want you to look at your phone, and I want you to tell it. I want you to say out loud, you don't own me. We're going to look at our phone, and we're going to tell it, you don't own me. Are we ready? Class, are we ready? Alright, one, two, three. You don't own me. That was terrible. Okay. So. So have you ever heard the saying, words create worlds? Have you ever heard the saying? Words create worlds. There are times when this is true. And sometimes when we're stuck in life or when we're struggling in our faith or when we're being owned by the things around us, sometimes in faith, we just have to speak something into existence. We just have to claim it out loud as truth. And here's what I believe about you. Your life is too important to spend the next 20 or 40 or 60 years being owned by the stuff in your life. And so I want us to do this again, but I want you to say it like not only you mean it, but you're a little bit angry that things in your life have been owning you. So I'm gonna to count to three and I wanna really hear it, one, two, three. <laughs> and so here's your homework. You already have your phones out, you can write it down. It's very simple. We're gonna do two things. I want you to go home and I want you to think about the things in your life that instead of owning them, this stuff has begun own you. These are the things that you worry about constantly, that keep you up at night, that have gotten you so stressed out that your health is suffering. I want you to think about those things, and we're, going to do, we're just going to do two things. First, I'm going to ask you to pray about it. Now, if you're new to church or you're new to this idea of God, I know that prayer can be really intimidating. I just want you to simply talk to God just like you would talk to the person next to you. Just tell God, I am done being owned by my stuff. I'm ready to pursue you. I don't wanna be owned by my stuff, I wanna pursue you, a very simple prayer. And here's the second thing I wanna ask you to do. And you know what, some of you aren't gonna do this and you're gonna miss out. Whatever those things are, or maybe it's just one big thing, I want you to physically look at it. If you're in tons of credit card debt, I want you to open up your wallet and look at your cards. If you're addicted to social media, I want you to pull it up on the internet. If you keep buying cars you can't afford to impress people that don't even care about you, I want you to walk out in your driveway, and I want you to look at that thing and tell it, you don't own me. Man, it is time, City Church, that we take back our God-given right to be owners of the things in our life, to pursue what God wants to do through us. Because here's the thing, becoming owners is amazing, but that's not the end goal. The reason we become owners is so that we can see how God wants to use our stuff, how he wants to leverage the things that we own to impact the world around us. Last week we said that religion is very simple. We love God and we love other people. And one of the ways that we love people is by leveraging the things that God has given us and allowed us to own. Your life is too important to just spend it accumulating a lot of things. You have too much potential to not really own what God has given you. And when we do that, when we intentionally pursue what God wants to do through us and in our lives, and when we begin bringing our stuff together to be the hands and feet of God in a hurting and broken world, then we can see amazing things happen. In fact, this is what Jesus did for us. Listen, we know that Jesus had unlimited power, and we'd be crazy to think that Jesus couldn't have been just making a killing down here on earth. He could walk on water. He could heal the sick, not to mention he could turn water into wine. Jesus could have been a billionaire. But instead, he chose to live in poverty. He said himself that oftentimes he didn't even have anywhere to lay his head at night. And instead of showing how awesome he was by accumulating more and more stuff, instead he chose to show his love for us by dying on a cross. And when he died, he was letting it be known that he would not be owned by anything in this world. In fact, three days later, Jesus came back to life and he walked out of the tomb and once and for all, he looked right at death and he told it, you don't own me. So today, every one of us has the opportunity to join with Jesus, to believe that our God loves us and will provide for us, and to pursue what he wants to do in our life. It's how we build a great life, and it's how we reach our God-given potential, going back to the basics with our stuff and behaving like we believe. Let me pray for us. God, we're overwhelmed that you love us. God, and because you love us, we can trust that you will take care of us, that you will give us the things that we need. And so, God, because of that, I pray that we would pursue you, that we would seek out the things that you are wanting to do in our lives, that you would show us how we can take whatever we have, however much or however little, and use it. To change the lives of hurting people in our families and in our neighborhoods and in our city and in the world, God. We thank you for Jesus that he came and not only taught us, but that he then went and demonstrated his love for us by dying on a cross. And so, God, as we attempt to go back to the basics, I pray that we will go to you with our decisions. That we will love the people around us and that we will claim the right that you've given us to have dominion, and to own our things, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.